Amen, and welcome. Happy Easter to all of you, and welcome to Glenkirk uh, Church today. And I'm just grateful that there's not another atmospheric river coming through Southern California, raining on our, our Easter Sunday. I uh, took my, uh, my dog on a hike at Benelli yesterday, and I got a little sunburn in back of my neck, and I thought, that's the kind of May or uh, uh, Easter that I'm used to here in Southern California. But welcome on this beautiful, beautiful Easter Sunday. You know, for most of Jesus's original followers, the news that he had risen from the dead changed everything. After all, the resurrection of Jesus meant that Jesus was right in all that he taught, all that he claimed to be true. This would have been the best news imaginable for his closest followers. And it was, at least for most of them. But for one of his followers, Easter didn't really change that much, at least not at first. The person I'm talking about is a guy named Simon. Simon was one of Jesus's earliest followers. He was a leader among the 12 apostles. Although his given name was Simon, Jesus gave him the nickname Peter which is why we sometimes call him Simon Peter, or just Peter. Peter means rock. And the name stuck, because if anyone seemed as solid as a rock in his faith, it was Simon. But Simon's life changed the night that Jesus was arrested. Earlier that evening, during the Last Supper, Jesus told his 12 closest followers that one of them would betray him, that would be Judas, and the rest would abandon him. And Simon blurted out, even if everyone else at this table abandons you, I never will. And Jesus looked at Simon and said, Simon, before the sun comes up tomorrow morning, you'll deny that you even know me three times. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible tells us that Simon watched the trial of Jesus later that evening from the safety of the Jewish high priest's courtyard from a distance. And in that courtyard, the book of John tells us that Simon warmed himself next to a charcoal fire along with several other people who were watching the trial from a distance. Warming himself around the fire, a a girl recognized him and said, hey, You're one of Jesus' followers, aren't you? But Jesus denied it. And a few minutes later, another person around the fire said, I know you're one of his followers. Your, Your accent gives you away as a Galilean. And again, Simon denied it. A little later, a third person said, You're one of his followers. Admit it. But instead of admitting it, Simon said, I swear to God, I don't know the man. And no sooner were those words out of Simon's mouth when a rooster crowed marking the beginning of a new day. Simon failed Jesus in the worst possible way imaginable. He denied that he even knew him. And Simon knew that nothing could erase the past. Resurrection or no resurrection. A lot of us are like Simon, because we have failures in our past 
some very public failures, others private failures that only we know about. But we all have them. For some, it's a failed relationship. For others, a huge lie living under the consequences of that lie. Others, a a decision that set into motion consequences that we can't undo. Others, an addiction that spun out of control. Today, we're going to see how the resurrection of Jesus, the message of Easter, was able to help Simon make peace with his past. And the process that Simon went through is the same process we can go through to make peace with our past as well. Now, here at Glenkirk, if you haven't been here before, often when we read the Bible, we all stand as a symbol of our readiness to hear God speak to us through the words of the Bible. So I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and if you're able, would you stand for the reading of the Bible this morning from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, it's the guy we're talking about. Thomas, also known as Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, or literally a charcoal fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. You can be seated. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he rose from the dead. The third time. The resurrection of Jesus was not new news for Simon. Yet despite that, Simon goes back to fishing. He returns to the the way of life that he knew before following Jesus. Because he knew you can't change the past. When Jesus appears on the shoreline, the sun is probably just starting to rise. All they can see through the mist and the clouds and the darkness is a dark silhouette. And this unknown figure asks them if they've caught anything. If you've ever been fishing, you've probably been asked that question about a thousand times. But this stranger then gives them a tip that results in an enormous catch of fish, and Simon and John suddenly realize who the silhouetted figure is. Simon jumps in the water and swims ashore, but as he approaches this figure on the shoreline, something stops him cold. Because there, burning between Jesus and Simon, is a charcoal fire. The Bible translation I read from translates it fire of burning coals. But in in the original Greek, it's just one word, best translated charcoal fire. And that may seem like a really small and insignificant detail to us, but there's only one other place in the entire Bible this same word is used. And that's in John 18.18 to describe the charcoal fire in the high priest's courtyard the night that Simon denied Jesus. It was next to a charcoal fire, just like this one, that the biggest failure of Simon's life had happened. So I imagine the smell of the coals, the the red glow of the charcoal, the warmth of the embers triggered memories of the worst night of Simon's life. And here we find the process begins for making peace with his past. We make peace with our past by honestly facing our past. Honestly facing up to our past. I think Jesus built that charcoal fire to help Simon face his past failure. But he doesn't do it out of spite. He does it because he knows that Simon can only move forward when he's honestly looked back. And we know Jesus is right about that, don't we? We know that until we've looked at what we've done, until we've honestly acknowledged the failures in our own lives, that we'll be stuck in them, unable to move forward. This is why in the recovery movement, 12-step programs begin with the recognition that a person's life has become unmanageable. Easter invites us to honestly face up to our past. In verse 15, Jesus begins to address Simon directly. And notice Jesus doesn't call him Peter here. 
He calls him by his given name, Simon, son of John, because Simon isn't much of a rock anymore. At the Last Supper, Jesus had heard Simon say to him that Simon loved Jesus more than all the other disciples around the table loved Jesus. Even if everyone else abandons you, Simon said, I never will. So now Jesus asked Simon if he still claims to love Jesus more than these, these referring to the other disciples. Three times he asks Jesus if he loves him. Replaying the three times Simon denied Jesus. And I think we find a hint as to why Simon failed. Simon had been prideful. I love you so much. No matter what these guys do, I would never deny you. Simon declared that his commitment to Jesus was solid as a rock. Peter was his name after all. But here, Jesus purges Simon of his pride, asking him, do you still love me? And all Simon can say is yes. He's grieved by his past. He's grieved by his failure. He's grieved by his prideful, arrogant claim that he would never fail. And Simon confesses a love, a love that has been humbled, a love that has been purged of pride. And as he does, Jesus commissions him back into ministry. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And here we find another part of this process, that we make peace with our past by letting Jesus purge us of our pride. Humbling us, purging us of our pride. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall, and that was certainly true in Simon's case. Pride leads us to overestimate our own capacities. Pride is a subtle subtle form of self-sufficiency that places its confidence in our own abilities, in our own strength, in our own resources. And religious people can be the most prideful of all as we hide our self-sufficiency beneath the veneer of religious language and symbols but to make peace with our past. We've got to be humbled and let Jesus purge us of our pride. In verses 18 and 19, Jesus looks forward to Simon's future. When Simon is older, someone will lead him where he doesn't want to go, and he will stretch out his hands. That phrase, stretch out your hands, was actually a common way of describing death by crucifixion back then. And Christian tradition tells us that eventually Simon would be arrested for being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. And Simon would be led to where he didn't want to go from a prison cell before the Roman emperor Nero. And under the threat of death, Simon would be asked once again, are you with Jesus? Are you his follower? If he denied it, like he did in the courtyard, Maybe he'd be released. But this time, he would not deny it. And according to early Christian tradition, Simon was crucified for his allegiance to Jesus. Although Simon failed that night in the high priest's courtyard, he will be faithful as an older man years later standing before the Roman emperor Nero. 
And here we find another part of the process of making peace with our past. We make peace with our past by trusting our future to Jesus. Trusting our future to Jesus. I'm sure Simon would have loved to have heard Jesus say, don't worry, Simon, you'll never face that situation again. You'll never be in that kind of situation. But Jesus does the opposite even describing some of the details that awaited Simon in his future. Once we've been purged of our pride, we must face up to the fact that our future is unknown. And we may very well face the same kinds of problems and temptations in our future that we've failed at in our past. In light of that uncertainty about the future, We're invited to trust our future to Jesus, regardless of what it holds, knowing that Jesus will stand with us, walk alongside us, and help us. In our reading this morning, Jesus has one more thing to say to Jesus, or Jesus has one more thing to say to Simon in verse 19. Follow me. Follow me. Those were his first words to Simon when they met. Simon was fishing in this very sea, perhaps at this very part of that sea. And Jesus invited Simon with the words, follow me. Back then, the Bible tells us that that Simon responded to that invitation by saying, leave me, I'm a sinful person. You don't want someone like me around someone like you. And Jesus responded by saying, Simon, son of John, I'm naming you Peter, the rock. Follow me. The words follow me are an invitation to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Someone who listens and obeys the voice of Jesus and goes where Jesus leads them. In other words, Jesus is telling Simon, I still want you even though you failed. Your story is not finished. These words invite Simon to follow Jesus in the present, and this is another part of the process, that we make peace with our past by following Jesus in the present. We can't undo the past, no matter how much we'd like to. And we can't control our future, no matter how much we try to. So Jesus invites us to respond to him in the moment, in the present. I made this decision my first year of college. I was raised in a non-religious home. I had an adoptive dad who was an atheist. During my high school years, I mocked God. I ridiculed the Christians who I knew. I used people. Even as a young man in my first year of college, I had some regrets and failures in my life. Yet despite my past, Jesus invited me to follow him. And that's what I did. And since then, I've had my fair share of failures. And each and every time, Jesus has invited me with those same words, follow me. And Jesus issues that same invitation to each of you today as well. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many regrets you have in your past, because Jesus rose from the dead, you can make peace with your past.
Simon would go on to become one of the most influential leaders in the early church. He would preach the first sermon in Acts chapter 2, resulting in more than 5,000 people coming to faith in Jesus. He would take the message of Jesus to the city of Rome and start the church in Rome. He would eventually write two letters that are found in our New Testament, First and Second Peter. Simon would become Peter the Rock once again, despite his awful failure that night. And if Simon were standing up here today, he would tell you, you can make peace with your past as well. By facing up to your past as he did. Allowing Jesus to humble you and purge you of your pride. Trusting an unknown future to Jesus and following him in the present. And it's possible some of you have never considered doing that before. This is new news for you. You need to think about it. To sort through this idea. And I want to let you know that if you're new to Glenkirk, Glenkirk is a safe space for you to do that. To be in process. Asking these questions. But for others of you, today is your day. Easter 2023. And just as Jesus looked Simon in the eye and said, follow me, you are hearing him say the same to you today. This Easter is your day to become his follower, to respond to his invitation. So as I close, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to invite you, if you've never prayed this prayer with before, or if you've been away from him for a while, to pray this prayer, to listen to his invitation to follow. Let's pray together. As we close our eyes and bow our heads, if you are hearing that invitation today and are ready to respond, in the silence of your own heart and even in your own words, pray something like this. Jesus, I hear your invitation to follow you. And I have things in my past that I regret. Things that have hurt others and dishonored you and hurt myself. And I turn from those things and trust in you. Invite you to come into my life that I might become your follower. That I might go where you lead me. Thank you that you are faithful to your promise to do just that. And Father, for the rest of us, we rejoice in the good news of Easter. We rejoice that the love of God was displayed through the cross and the resurrection. Father, thank you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.